a friend of God. How about you? Hallelujah. Greater love hath no man than this, than he lay down his life for a friend. Amen. Aren't you thankful for a friend like that? Amen. That he would lay down his life for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we all stand tonight? I would like for us all just to go before the Lord in prayer. If you have a special need, just raise your hand tonight. God sees every need. He knows every thought. He knows every hand that's up and the reason you raised it tonight. But let's just all ask God blessing upon the remainder of this service and for every need as hands were lifted tonight. God, we're so thankful to be in your house, to lift up our voice in praise to you. King of kings and Lord of lords, you are the God of heaven and earth. You are the creator of all things, and we praise you. We honor you, and we magnify your name, Lord. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. Have your way in this service tonight, Lord. God, as we honor you and praise and exalt your name, every hand that was lifted represented a need in this house tonight. God, I ask that you would bless those needs, touch those needs, whether they be in the hospital room, the sick room, Lord the courtroom, no matter where it is, God, you're a God of every conceivable circumstance. We praise you and we honor you. We glorify your name in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you want to remain standing, we're going to read the word of God found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out, to be trodden underfoot of man. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen. You may be seated. Brother Charlie asked me to speak Sunday morning and immediately thoughts started rolling through my mind and I actually had something else that I wanted to preach about tonight, but it didn't come to fruition. And, and as Brother Brian began to speak, he mentioned several times this verse in Scripture. And I thought, well, maybe I'll talk about that. And I went home to actually look some verses up for the other message that I wanted to talk about. And I read a Scripture in Leviticus, which I'll read later on, and it mentioned that when you offer your offering, always offer salt. And I'm like, okay. Then when I came in tonight, they were playing the songs over the speaker system, and the song came on, Ye Are Salt and Light. I'm like, well, okay, Lord. You made your point to me. Amen. And I always want to be in the will of God and speak what he has given to me to be a blessing that it can touch someone. Ye are the salt of the earth. And that is so true. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they, now catch this, that they may see 
your good works, but you don't get the glory. And glorify your Father, because we know that all good gifts come from Him. Amen. We know that all good gifts come from Him. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, but they're going to glorify your Father, which is in heaven. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill that cannot be hid. The light of the world was a title that was given to the highest of the rabbis of biblical days. But Jesus took those words and he transferred them to us. He took those words from the rabbis, from the teachers, and he transferred them to us. And he said, you are the light of the world. Ye are the light of the world. That is to say that you are the instrument that our God, think about this, is using to give light to a dark world. I think we all know that in 2017, we're living in a very dark world. You almost can't listen to the news anymore without getting a little depressed. There's hardly anything good about the news. We live in a dark world. We live in a world that is in chaos. We live in a world that is groping in darkness. They are groping in darkness. Man is groping in darkness and they don't have what we have. They don't have the light of this world inside them that shines forth. And I am so glad that he has given us his spirit. Hallelujah which lets that light so shine among us. And it's a very elementary thing. I can remember probably one of the first songs that I learned to sing in Sunday school. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. And it is very elementary tonight, but Jesus is telling us that ye are the light of the world what are you doing with that light? Don't hide your light. Don't put it under a bushel. Don't put it somewhere that it can't be seen. But he said, take this light on the hill. Let it be a city that cannot be hid from this world and a world of darkness. But darkness cannot prevent the light from shining. If we were to close all of the windows and shut out all the light, turn off the lights and lit one candle up here, all of the darkness of this vast room could not stop that light from shining. And everyone in this room could see that light. We are that light in this dark world. We are dark, we are the world, we are the light in this world. And the Bible says that the darkness comprehended it not. The darkness cannot prevent the light from shining and doing the work of the eternal God. In darkness, we can't see anything. I remember years and years ago, as a matter of fact, I was marrying Sister Gail about two weeks. And we took a trip to Mammoth Cave. Anybody ever been there? All right, well, I didn't say the rest of it. We made the mistake of two weeks after we married taking about 50 young people down there. Brother Dave and Sister Gail and my wife and I were the youth leaders of the church at that time. And um, we took the young people down there and we 
had a good time, but wow, it was, it was a crazy time. But I remember one thing that stuck out of that trip is we went into the cave and they told us, they said, you're going to experience for the first time really total darkness, total darkness. And we're going to turn out the lights here in a few minutes. And if you're afraid of that, just get prepared because we're going to turn it out and you're going to experience total darkness. You will not be able to see the whitest of white shirts that someone might have on. You will not be able to see anything. And the reason you couldn't see anything because there was no light. And folks, the world is in Mammoth Cave. They can't see what we got because there is no light. But let me say this to you. God has charged you and me to be that light. He has charged you and me to be that one candle lit in the mammoth cave. And when they lit that candle, the whole cave, you could see everyone in that whole cave just from one candle. And it showed us that the darkness could not encompass the light. Regardless of how dark this world is, regardless of how bad it gets, regardless of how much they give themselves over to sin and, and degradation, it, re, it doesn't matter how dark it is, your light will shine brighter in that darkness. Amen. One candle can illuminate the entire Mammoth Cave. One candle can illuminate this sanctuary. And the darkness cannot comprehend that. So let your light so shine. We see everything from day to day, from the moment we get up until the moment we close our eyes at night. We look at everything around us. We look at children's crayon drawings. We look at fine oil paintings, swirling computer graphics, gorgeous sunsets, blue skies, shooting stars, rainbows. But we wouldn't see any of those things without the light. We look in the mirror and see our reflection. But try looking in the mirror in the bathroom before you turn the light on. You don't see much. And I don't see much even after I turn the light on. But we look in the mirrors, and it's, it's the reflection of the light that allows us to see. It's, in fact, that light that we are seeing. We're not really seeing those objects, but just a reflection of that light. It is that light that allows us to touch him, to be with him. He has given us that light. He has put it inside of us. And everywhere we go, everything we do, we've got to shine forth that light. Neither do men put, light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. For some ancient writers, we learn that only those who are criminals wanted to hide the light. Those that had evil in mind, those that have crime in mind, murder in mind, want to hide from the light. God truly transferred that light to Christians today that we might so shine. And you know, sometimes I think if we were shining a little brighter, the world would be a little less dark. Sometimes I think we blame the world, but I, sometimes I think, where's our light that's not shining maybe the way it should be? We can look at all this in perspective, but we need to climb up that mountain and put those lights 
on top of that mountain in the city that cannot be hidden. We have a responsibility to, to enlighten this world. The darker the night, the brighter the light can shine. The darker the night, the brighter the light can shine. We are the light that must allow, and we must allow our light to show forth his marvelous works. To show forth his life-changing power. How many believe that he has life-changing power? How many believe that he can take a dark world and a dark a person that is full of sin and darkness and change them into light? Hallelujah. And show forth in this world his light. Tonight, when each of us go home, we'll unlock the door and we won't just walk into the house. The first thing we'll do is flip on the light because it dissipates the darkness. It knocks out any question of what might be lurking in the darkness. It takes away all of our questions. It takes away all of our problems. And we don't worry about stubbing our toe on something or stepping on a little toy soldier that Brody might have left in the middle of the floor. If we turn on the light. Because the light will take away the darkness. But things are concealed in darkness. And we have an obligation to shine forth our light. Hide it under a bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think sometimes we take our obligation for granted. Sometimes we think, let Pastor Urshan do it. Let Pastor Buller do it. Let the youth pastor do it. Let someone else do it. But we have a, an obligation. He said, ye are the light of the world. He didn't say pastors or bishops were the light of the world. He said, ye, all of you are the light of the world. And you have an obligation to shine. When you go into that workplace, you have an obligation to shine that they would see something different in you, that they would notice something different about you. You don't have to go in there every day preaching to them and browbeating them, but you just go in there and let your light so shine among men that they may see the glory of your God and your Father. Hallelujah. 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 And I know some of us go into some pretty dark places sometimes. In our jobs, <clears throat> sometimes our children in their schools, especially in the colleges, wow. But they've got to let the light so shine that they know. I remember years and years ago, I worked at Stearns and Foster's. And I didn't say a whole lot. Of, uh, we didn't have a whole, we worked in the factory and we only had like 15 minute break and then half an hour lunch and. <clears throat> but uh, every once in a while they'd bring up the subject of church and God and all of those things and I'd try to just share a little bit of God's word or just let them know a little bit about his word and go on about my business and make sure that they know that I was I didn't want to be looked at as typical not that I'm better than anybody because 
that I want them to see my good works, but glorify my Father which is in heaven. I want them to know that because of him, the light is in me and it has changed me and that it could change them. I want them to know that. I want them to be able to see that. I remember one of the young men who didn't want anything to do with church, didn't want anything to do with God, didn't want anything to do with anybody. The machines are running. I used to um, actually run a big double-headed sewing machine that quilted the tops of the mattress. And you would put it in the machine and you'd be, be, be preparing another top while the machine was sewing. And as I was working around the table there, a young man came up to me and he said, Terry, Terry. And he was whispering. I'm like, what? He said, can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? I'm like, yeah, do you know what prayer is? You know, but he knew where to go when he needed prayer. Someone, I forget how, it's been many, many years ago, I forget exactly what the problem was, but someone in his family had come down sick, and he came, and he wanted, he wanted to share, he wanted to share that request, and he wanted the light to shine on that request. All we have to do is be what God wants us to be, be the person he wants us to be, do the things he wants us to do, be the light he wants us to shine. Amen. He wants us to be that sunbeam, that moonbeam, that ray of hope, that glimmer of light, that shimmer, that shine. Think about it in a dark world. We are, just think of it. You walk through that workplace, they're going to catch a shimmer of Jesus Christ, the mighty God. They're going to catch a ray of hope in the light that you shine forth in that workplace, in a world that is without hope. They're of all men most miserable without the hope of eternity. You walk forth in that workplace and you show forth his light. You are the city that is set on the hill that cannot be hid. And then we look at salt. It says, ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Brother Brian, you mentioned that two or three times in your message on Sunday morning. People probably think of salt simply as just a white granular seasoning found in a salt shaker virtually on every dining room table. But it's very relevant today. It's more, much more than that. Salt affects every facet of the human body. It affects the nervous system, the muscular system, the blood system, the blood pressure. Too much salt, not enough salt. Got to have a balance of those things. And we have to have a balance of Jesus Christ in our life every day to control every facet of this body physically and spiritually. It's more than just salt in the salt shaker. It is an essential part of every diet of every human, but not only humans, but animals and even some of the plants. It is one of the most effective and most widely used of all food preservatives. It was even used in Egypt to preserve mummies. As well, in pre-civilization, salt men 
they called themselves, represented significant contemporary architectural research. And in fact, salt has great historical interest and is even the subject of many, many historical thing, things. Salt was a crucial importance in economics. Trade in ancient Greece involved salt. The Romans traded slaves for salt. Hence the saying, he or she is not worth their salt. So they traded slaves for salt. Roman soldiers were paid with salt. It is a root word of our word today, salary. There are many references to salt across this globe. From the Latin word, we get sauce, sausage, those things that have a lot of salt in them. Salt was a, an important trading commodity. Wars were fought over salt and extreme tax tariffs were imposed on salt. It almost back then approached the price being priceless. In short, a harmless looking white granular substance we know today as salt has historically a lot of essential meanings to it. Arguments were made over salt. Agreements were made over salt. There's also another expression, there's salt between us. That means there's an agreement between us that's going to be preserved because salt is a preservative. Our agreement, there's salt between us. There's going to be a preservation of our agreement because there is salt between us. When Jesus stood and proclaimed that you are the salt, the light of the world and the salt of the world, he knew exactly that those people knew what he was talking about. He knew that they knew how valuable salt was. Salt is the opposite of leaven. Let's look at Leviticus. This is the scripture that I turn to this first scripture that I read uh, the other night when I was looking for this lesson Leviticus chapter 2 and verse 13 in every oblation of thy meat offering shalt thou season with salt neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from the meat offering. With all thy offering, thou shalt offer salt. In this one verse, God warns them, don't bring an offering to me three times. He mentions salt. Don't bring an offering to me without having the salt. Don't bring that offering without having that preservative, without having that promise. Salt is the opposite of leaven. It preserves it stops putrefaction. It stops corruption. It, is, it signifies by purity and fidelity. It is necessary for the worship of God. Not this kind of salt, but the salt, the preservative that's in us, that he has given to us. We are called the salt of the covenant because it was seen as an incorruptible. The salt was seen as an incorruptible and that nothing can break his covenant of redemption for us. Nothing can break his covenant of redemption for us. 
because ye are the salt of the earth. Amen. He told us how valuable we were. We are priceless. With him, we are incorruptible. This corruption shall put on incorruptible. I'm looking forward to that day, aren't you? Amen. Amen. I'm getting a little older. Feeling a little pains in the knees. Feeling a little ache and pain here. Get out and do a little bit out in the yard. And next thing you know, there's a pain here and there's pain there. But I'm looking for that day where this corruption will put on incorruptible. Hallelujah. God's just going to say, let's sprinkle a little more salt on them. Let's preserve them. Let's bring them up higher. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are the salt of the earth. I'm going to preserve you through the endless days of time. Hallelujah. I'm going to keep you. Hallelujah. I'm going to shelter you. I'm going to protect you. Hallelujah. Where you'll never die and never grow old again. Because you are the salt of the earth. And it is incorruptible. You are the salt of the earth. And it is incorruptible. Sometimes people think, well, all that was back then, but how is salt relevant today? How is salt important to us today? Even though we have modern refrigerators, freezers, we have maybe even a big ice chest at home packed full of meat. It's all frozen, don't need that salt, but still preservative today. It's still used. Look on all your canned goods. One of the most big agreements will be salt. And all your canned goods. Because it's still used as a preservative today. Amen. And God knew it would be used as a preservative today. We look at all of the things that it was back then. But let's look at what it is today. And uh, want us to use our imagination here just a little bit. Set the table over here. And I want us to just picture table full for maybe the Thanksgiving feast. The fine china is brought out, the fine silverware adorn the table. In the middle, there's a large bowl with tossed salad, bright green lettuce, carrots, purple cabbage, um, red tomatoes. You getting hungry? For Dave Duvall, a couple mushrooms thrown in there. Bright French dressing, main course, prime rib, cooked for some of you, rare for me, well done. <laughs> Big baked potato with butter just oozing over the sides, bright yellow butter, just mmm. Homemade dinner rolls. Again, butter. Joey said it when he comes to our house. He said, this is the butter house. <laughs> Bright green broccoli with cheese sauce melting down over it. Dessert. Big slice of chocolate cake with two scoops of vanilla ice cream melting on the plate. Let's sit down to dinner. How about it? We sit down to dinner, 
and we see all of these bright colors. We're looking and pass the salad. And we get the salad in our plate, put that lettuce in there, that bright green lettuce, those tomatoes, carrots, tomato, tomatoes, carrots, purple cabbage, little French dressing or ranch dressing, whatever you prefer, Italian dressing, all those beautiful colors. Get the mashed potatoes, again, with a lot of melted butter, maybe some brown gravy over them. Put that on there. It's looking good. Get that broccoli with that melted cheese sauce over there. And corn on the cob with some melted butter on it. <laughs> and we're, we're sitting at the table. And I don't know about you, but one of the first things I say is, Honey, where's the salt? Because every one of these things got to have salt on them before I even taste it. Honey, where's the salt? And it's right there. It's right there. But it's behind the bright green lettuce. It doesn't draw attention to itself. And we're not out in the world to draw attention to ourselves. But we're in the world to draw attention to our Heavenly Father. Amen. They want to see your good works, but don't forget who gets the glory. So the salt's sitting there. It's not saying, hey, look at me. Look what I've done. Look who I am. It's not shouting out like the bright red tomatoes. It's not oozing down the side of the baked potato like the yellow, golden yellow butter. <laughs> it's not oozing down the side of the broccoli like the Velveeta cheese is just dripping off there. It's not doing any of that, but it's sitting there because it knows it's going to be called on. It knows it's going to be there to be seasoned, to season everything out. And we know that we're going to be called on to season everything. We know that we're not sitting there in a boastful, pride way. We're not trying to cram this thing down someone's throat. We're there to give that shimmer, that glimmer of light, that hope beyond this veil of tears and suffering. I want you to think for a minute. Just think for a minute. What if you didn't have Jesus? What if you had no hope of eternity in heaven with him? What if, as some people say, that when this life is over, it's all over. Think about it. And I want you to think about this. A lot of your friends, a lot of your coworkers are in that position. Folks, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. It's your responsibility not to be boastful about it. <coughs> not to be boastful about it. Not to be prideful about it. But let your light so shine that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven and get a little glimmer of what we got. Heaven, a little taste of heaven, and I want to go there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A little taste of heaven, and I want to go there. We're not going to force them to see it our way. We're going to lighten their path so they can see it. They're in a dark world. 
They're in a mammoth cave with the lights turned out. They can't see which way to go until you shine that light upon them. They're not preserved until you sprinkle that salt on them. I remember when I was in high school, and I never did this. I did a lot of things, but I never did this. Kids would take their salt, and they'd unscrew the cap and just let it sit there. Next person would come, and they'd salt, and the whole salt shaker would pour out on the food. And you know what happened? It ruined that food. If you think you can pour a whole salt shaker out on somebody that's lost, you may ruin them forever. That's why it's in a shaker, folks. Just shake a little bit of each day. Just preserve them each day. Just save them each day. Just light their way each day. Let them know, hallelujah, what it's like to be preserved by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Don't take your cap off and shake it all on them. Some of us have done that before. And I'm old enough to say we used to do that a lot in Pentecost. I can say that. I've been around Billy McCool preached revival when I was eight years old and 56 years ago. And I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Been in this thing all my life. We don't need to dump the whole salt shaker on them, folks. Just sprinkle a little bit. Just get, let them have a glimmer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let them have a glimmer of his hope. Let them have a glimmer of heaven. A little taste of heaven. I've got a little taste of heaven, and I want to go there, Lanny Wolf said. Amen. Let them have a little taste of it. You can't force it on them. But you know what? This dominates everything it is put on. You sprinkle it on that salad, Brother Brian, after you cut it up this way and that way and this way and that way. Tiffany likes the way Brian cuts her salad. She says, Brian, can you cut my salad for me? After you cut it up, Brother Brian, you sprinkle it on in that salad, whether you're talking about the tomatoes or the carrot or the lettuce or the purple cabbage or the dressing, it tastes salty. But you know what? I've never tasted salt that tasted like lettuce. I've never tasted salt that tasted tomatoey. And believe me, I've eaten a lot of hamburgers in my life, but I've never tasted salt that tasted like a hamburger. I've tasted a hamburger that tastes like salt, but I've never tasted salt that tastes like a hamburger. It does not become influenced by its surroundings, but it influences everything around it. It does not take on the flavor of its surroundings, but its surroundings takes on the flavor of salt. And it is preserved until that day. It is preserved until that day. That prime rib, regardless of whether you got it cooked medium rare or well done, that grilled hamburger, whether you've got it cooked well done or medium that barbecued chicken I'm getting you hungry 
haven't had dinner yet. I haven't either. <laughs> With that barbecue sauce on it, it will be influenced by this one little jar. You don't have to be boastful. You don't have to be big. You don't have to show off. You just got to show your good works and let the glory be to God. Let the glory be to God. I believe with all of my heart, Jesus knew that we'd be sitting at our table saying, where's the salt? When he said, ye are the salt of the earth. Where's the influencers of this world? We don't need, folks, we don't need to rely on politicians to be the influencers of this world. We need to reply on the Holy Ghost-filled, Jesus' name, baptism, apostolic folks who know the truth, who have the light, who are the salt, to be the influencers of this world. Because they may have salt, but what good is it if it's lost its savor? What good is it if it's lost its savor? Don't let you be influenced by that lettuce. It looks awfully, looks awfully appealing. And I'm not talking in the physical world. Now I'm talking in the spiritual world. All those things out there, they look so good. They look so appealing to the flesh. Don't let them influence you. You need to influence them. Let your light shine. The only way the only way the darkness can cover your light is if you blow it out or put it under the bushel, as the little song said. The world, the darkness of this world cannot cover your light. It cannot comprehend your light. But I just close my eyes and I see you walking down the hallway at work or walking through the factory at work and Someone get a glance and what was that? I saw a light go down that aisleway. I saw a shimmer go down that aisleway. I saw some hope go down that aisleway. I don't have any hope in this world. We're of all men most miserable if we have hope only in this world. Hallelujah. Of all men most miserable. I'm living in this corruptible body that's going to die and go back dust to dust. Ashes to ashes. But I see a person who will never see death because they've got a little preservative put on them. It's incorruptible. They got a little salt sprinkled on them. They're seasoned with the salt of God's power, of God's blessings, of God's spirit. Hallelujah. And you are the salt of the earth. There's an old saying, <clears throat> you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. I disagree with that. Do you know why you go into these restaurants and they give you these salty snacks for free? Because it'll make you thirsty. And not for us, but for the drinking world, They'll drink beer after beer after beer to quench that thirst. And they ain't like the Coke. You don't get the second run free. 
Folks, if you've got the salt, you're making them thirsty. It'll lead them to the living water. It'll lead them to the living water. And when they get there, they'll be so thirsty, they'll be lapping it up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's the living water. Hallelujah. Out of your bellies shall flow. Out of your soul shall flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water that can give hope to mankind. I want you to think right now of one or two or three people in your workplace. Or if you don't work in your neighborhood. Or at the grocery store you go to. Or maybe the restaurant you frequent that are lost in a dark world and have no light. That are corrupting in a corruptible world and have no hope because no one sprinkled a little bit of salt on them. I want you to think about that and I want you to pray about that and I want you to give them that glimmer, that shimmer, that shine tomorrow or the next time you see them. I want you to spread forth the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, all we're charged to do is to plant the seed because he'll give the increase. When I worked <clears throat> at that Stearns and Foster's company, I may have told this story before. There was a young man there <clears throat> that he was a good guy. He was a good guy as far as the world was concerned. He wasn't in church of any shape, form, or fashion. And every day I'd go in, just talk to him a little bit, tell him about God and plan of salvation. And that, for a couple years, I worked right next to him. And uh, he was in a lot of trouble. <laughs> uh, during all that time, he got a young girl pregnant out of wedlock. And her parents weren't real happy about it. Because she was like 16. But every day I'd go in and I'd try to share a little light, spread a little salt in a dark world. Left that place to go to work for <clears throat> our church school. We had a Christian school for 20 years. And uh, left there. Went to work for the school. And our first school was at... 26 North Bend Road, Fair Park, in Fair Park Road in North Bend, right there at the corner behind the Hodeb's Funeral Home, which is now New Jerusalem Baptist Church. And uh, I was teaching in the school and uh, <clears throat> thought, well, I'm going to get out for lunch today. I'd, we had took turns take, watching the children for lunch, and it was my day to be off for the lunch break. So there was a little restaurant called, what was it called? I forget anyway. Um, Country Kitchen, across Vine Street there. And uh, I walked between Hodab's Funeral Home and there was an auto parts dealership there. So I went over there and ate lunch and came back between those two buildings and walking the parking lot back toward the church there. And uh, as I passed the auto parts place, I heard a voice say, Hey, Terry Williams! Do I know you? And he said, remember me? I used to work with you. 
at Stearns and Foster's. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember you. He said, you're going to be proud of me. I said, why is that? He said, you know that little 16-year-old girl that I got pregnant out of wedlock? He said, we got married, and we go to New Jerusalem Apostolic Church. We're both baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the world. Don't let someone go to hell without having their way illuminated by the light that's inside of you. Shall we stand? I know as a young person, we were influenced by everything that was around us. I remember very clearly, this is sort of strange, but I remember very clearly in eighth grade, a bunch of high school kids came over to the junior high and talked to us about all the organizations that were at the high school that we could be a part of. And a couple of the guys there had these weird-looking pants on. And they were, like, flared at the bottom. And I'm like, what are those? Oh, those are bell-bottom pants. Linda's laughing. She knows what I'm talking about. I'm like, ain't no way I will ever wear a pair of those. (laughs) Well, by the time I was a senior, that's all I had bell-bottom pants. As a matter of fact, if you look, most school-spirited senior, I had a pair of trousers on that were blue, white, and gold-striped bell-bottom in the senior yearbook. I'm like, and one of my drivers the other day said, hey, you went to Mount Healthy, didn't you? I said, he said, what year did you graduate? And he, he brings up that picture. I'm like, I was influenced by my peers. I said I wouldn't do it, but I did. And that's sort of a funny story, but we're influenced by everything that's around us. And we need to be the salt of the earth. We don't need to be influenced by anything. We need to influence our world. We need to make a difference in our world. Amen. Let's all lift our hands and ask God to let us be that light, to let us be that influence. Hallelujah. You are the light of the world. Hallelujah. We don't light that candle and put it under a bushel. Light that candle and let the devil blow it out. You are salt and light in this world, in this world. You are salt and light in this world. Hallelujah. Let's sing, brother. I give myself away. Oh.